Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, we thank you for the anchor of your word. Thank you, Lord, that the Apostle Paul prayed, we suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. I wonder if we could just say that together right now. I trust in the living God. I am anchored in the living God. He is the Savior of my soul. He is the Lord of my soul, the Lord of my life, and he's alive today in Jesus' name. Praise God. I, I want to I talk just a little bit about anchoring ourselves as well. You know, we were singing this morning about the rock and Jesus had a couple of things to say about anchoring ourselves in him and an assurance that he wants us to have about our walk with him and about our future with him. And if you want to go with me to Luke chapter 7, I want to use this as an introduction to something that God brought to my heart over the, the weekend I was reading in Matthew, and Jesus, let's begin um, in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. You know, I wonder if when, when we read the Bible, sometimes we're astonished. Are you ever astonished at what the Bible says? I am. I think to read the Bible and not be surprised by it, maybe we're not reading the Bible. Because Jesus had some pretty serious things to say about life and life after life. One of the reasons why the people were astonished was because he spoke as one who had authority. There are a lot of people today that have a lot of things to say. There are a lot of things that are, are, are being brought to us from many different avenues and many different authors and many different philosophies. But the question is, who really has authority and truth to speak into our life and into our heart? 
There's only one man who came from the bosom of the Father who was given authority from the Father to speak to this generation. And the Bible says in the last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. Amen? So as I was reading this, I'm reading my Bible, and and just as I normally would, and I I was just reading, and this kind of stuck with me. And I said, Lord, this is kind of serious. If I don't put this into practice, I could have a problem. Because I can be praying for the sick. I can be casting out devils. I could be even performing miracles. But that doesn't meet the condition that Jesus is talking about here. He says to them, depart from me. I didn't know you. You who practice lawlessness. So what he's talking about is the lifestyle of the person that considers him Lord. And he says, if you consider me and you call me Lord, then you will do the things that I tell you to do. The true test of a disciple is one who listens and obeys his teacher. So Jesus says, listen, if you want to enter the kingdom, you can't be practicing lawlessness because the kingdom is a place where law abides, where righteousness abides, where my word is present. So he said actually twice, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, and once... He who doesn't. And it's interesting that both people described here heard. Both people described here were put under the same conditions. Both people here had the storm beat upon them. You ever feel like life is just beating upon you? Can I tell you that if your life is founded on the rock, you're going to withstand that beating? You may feel like life is giving you a beating, but you're not going to be beaten. Why? Because you're founded on the rock. You may feel like you don't know what's going on, but God says when you anchor your life in me and in my teaching, in my word, hearing my word, obeying my word, you will be unshakable. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, listen, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and I just want to first of all mention he's talking about what he previously said. This is an extended sermon. How many people have read in your Bible predominantly in chapters 5 and 6? Right? This is an extended sermon. And he's saying, listen, all of these things I've been telling you, these sayings of mine, I don't want you just to hear them. I want you to put them into practice. I want you to take them and I want you to do them. And just to bear this out quickly, you don't have to go with me. The Bible says in 1 John 2, verse 3, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. He says later on in that letter, for this, chapter 5, verse 3, is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 8, my, who is my disciple but those that continue 
in my word. So I just wanted to, to bear that out. So what are these sayings of mine that Jesus was talking about? Well, we don't have time to cover all of the Sermon on the Mount. But I was driving along yesterday, and I was feeling unsteady. I said, Lord, something's wrong. I, I'm just not, things are not right. You ever feel that way? Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm not feeling very grounded in God. And the Holy Spirit brought to my mind something that Jesus said in these sayings of mine, and I just want to touch upon one of them for a few minutes. So if you back up with me into chapter 6, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, say therefore. Pastor Ned has reminded us that Derek Prince says, when you find a therefore in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. Therefore, don't worry about your life. Find somebody beside you if you don't mind. Just grab them by the arm and say, don't worry about your life. Tell them. It's real strong. Say, don't worry about your life. Do you want to hear Jesus talk to you today? He's talking. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Do you know this, that worry is a sin? I heard Kenneth Fagan say that one time. I said, oh. He, he said, you know, I had no problem with drugs and alcohol. No problem with tobacco. Had no problem with sex. But I could not let go of the sin of worry. And because I couldn't let it go, for your reading, Casting Your Cares Upon the Lord, there's a YouTube video, three of them, and a little mini book. I would highly recommend it. Casting Your Cares Upon the Lord. He said, I could not let go of this sin. And because I couldn't let go of this sin, I couldn't go on with God, walking with God, in peace with God. Things were no longer harmonious because I wasn't obeying God in this one point. There was this one thing that was sticking to me, holding me up. And can I tell you that the worries of life stick to us. They get a hold of us. And God says, I don't want them to get a hold of you. You've got you to shed them, shed them. One of the first things we teach football players is defensive players. You've got to shed the block. Guys are going to be coming at you because you've got to get to the ball carrier. And if you're going to get to that ball carrier, you've got to shed the block. You've got to get it off quick because you've got to stay in the game unabated. God says, I want you to be in life unabated. I want you to be free. Freedom. Freedom. And this is the lie, you see. This is the lie. The devil takes that, and he says, see that? God is an evil despot. He wants nothing but control over your life. His servants, the church, they have ulterior motives. They want to control you. They want to make you servants to them. No, no, no. God says, when you come to me and you make me master of your life, I will set you free. I will set you free to serve me and to love me and the affairs of this life and the things that have got you all tripped up, I'll teach you to shed that stuff so it doesn't stick to you and trip you up. 
But there, you see, I, I almost saw the, a picture of a jockey. You see, there's these things. By the way, a little maybe uncommon knowledge. Did you know that the horse out of gate number five wins more than any other horse in a horse race? I'm not endorsing gambling, but that was very interesting to me. I thought the inside horse would win the race. Because how many know that we're try- the horses are trying to pass and usually get to the inside? How many of you track runners know that that guy on the inside, he works his way in because that's the shortest distance to the turn. You want to get to the inside. You want to get to the right lane. And see, that's the game of life because there are things in our hearts that are jockeying for first place. They want to get there. They want to move up. They're passing. They're rubbing. There's a tension. But God says, I want to be first place in your life. I want to be in the lead. I want to be the horse with the lead. And by the way, How many know jockeys are usually skinny? Jesus says, I carry a light load. I'm not looking to burden you down. I'm not looking to press you down. I'm not looking to add to, but I'm looking to lift off. I want to lighten the load. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a jockeying in our heart. There's a tension and there's a rubbing. And the things of life, they want to be mastered. And I was driving down the road, and I said, Lord, what's my problem? And he says, you're serving two masters, not one. Two. All these things that are going on, all these of the affairs of your life, the worries of life, they are taking, they're, they're moving ahead. They're moving ahead. They're gaining. And that white horse with the most precious prize ever to come to planet earth is in the rearview mirror. And Jesus says, I don't belong there. He has the preeminence. Number one. And you see, when he, and you say, well, okay, oh my God, okay, here we go. Trigger weird. No, 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 God doesn't want you to be weird. No. When Jesus is first place in your life, everything else falls into alignment. Alignment. You see, he created the heavens and the earth. He knows everything that we need. He knows how to make us successful. He knows how to make things rightly fit. But you see, things go out of alignment when those things, when the cares of life, when the worries of life have our attention, have our affection in an unhealthy way. God says, I want to bring you into perfect health by making me Lord of your life. And I want you to let go, hallelujah. Let go of that worry. Let go of that care. Tell that horse, bye-bye. And trust me. I just want to give you a couple of examples of how uh, some visuals you might say. In the book of 1 Kings, Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. And I I was just reminded of the fact that these were people that were attending synagogue regularly. These were people that were Jewish people. If you ask them, you say, are you Jewish? Yes, I'm Jewish. Were you in sanctuary? Yes, I was. But you see, on Tuesday night, I go up to the hill and we do this little thing with Baal that I don't like to talk about very much. And by the way, it's got my heart. By the way, I'm really into this thing, you know. 
It's taking up my time. It's taking up my attention. It's taking up my affection. And it's jockeying to bump God down. And Elijah says, this is detrimental. Baal or God, you choose. We can't have both. In Saul's life, Saul, King Saul, before David, he had the same problem. He had a problem with the fear of man. And Samuel came and he called him out on it. And he says, you can't fear man and fear God. You got to choose one. And Saul was very frustrated. He said, what are you talking about? You told me to go kill the Amalekites. And I did. But Samuel says, listen, I did. Yes, that's partial obedience. That's middle of the road. That's two masters, Samuel. Because God said, listen, I don't want you just to kill the Amalekites, but I don't want you taking any of the plunder. And so, oh, jeez, you're right. Oh, well, the, the people, I listen, I'm trying to get this monkey off my back. These people, they're hounding me. And God is speaking to him and saying, listen, Fear me, obey me. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You can't have the fear of man and the fear of God. You can only have one. I'm preaching to me right now, not you. In Paul's life, he said we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul, in face with the danger of death itself, had a choice to make. He said, I'm either going to trust in myself or I'm going to trust in God, but I can't trust in both. Amen. In his life, talking about the spirit and the flesh, he was miserable. He was beside himself. He said, with the mind, I'm going to serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, oh, wretched man that I am, I can't take this anymore. I thank God through Jesus Christ. When I make him Lord, he becomes the Lord of my spirit, my soul, and my body. Amen. He said, I can't serve the spirit and the flesh at the same time. Somebody help me. I'm torn. The Galatian church had a problem with this. The uncircumcised, uh, the circumcision. Paul said, listen, if you want to get circumcised and obey the law, the blood of Jesus Christ will do you nothing. You can't have both. You can't have righteousness by law and righteousness by grace. Choose one. Choose wisely and let go of the law as a means of righteousness. Amen. You know, this works in life. We're reading a piece of literature about a young man who was betrothed to a young woman. And the marriage was arranged because of circumstances. And the two had an affection for one another. But they didn't expect marriage to come as quickly as it did. But the inheritance she was to receive from her father... It was necessary for her to get married or she could not receive the inheritance. So they were to be married. But she found out there was this other woman in his life, this young slave girl who he had become affectionate with. Nothing had happened, but there was a tug in his heart for her. And she said, I need you to go to Rome and say goodbye to that woman. And then you and I can come together and consummate this arranged marriage because I don't want half your heart. I want all of your heart. And God says, I don't want half your heart. I want all of it. This is right. He gave it all for us. He said, I don't know how. 
I don't know how to let go of these affections that are in my life, these things that are pulling on me. God says, listen, only I can cut the bands of the soul in your life. And when you put me first, my anointing comes down and it just tethers those strings and releases them by the power of God. And soon you will find yourself worshiping me. And soon you will find yourself loving me. And soon you will find yourself in me. And you will find the things that you're worried about. The things that you're so... You'll find those things working out as well. Hallelujah. We were talking about... You say, wait, hold, let me just close the door on this. But I, I still don't see how this can get taken care of. We had a consultant come to our, uh, at my job, published, very successful, some terrific theories on working with kids. And they brought a group of teachers in the room and they listened to this guy talk. All of us, I was there. And uh, he had some great ideas. I didn't agree with everything, but most of it was terrific. And he said, you have to build relationships with students, right? Relation How many know relationships matter in life? You have to build relationships with people. If you want to work with people, if you want to work with, with students, you've got to build relationships. He's exhorting teachers. And there's this one teacher who says, listen, I can appreciate what you're saying. Nice job. But I have to get 100 kids through this state assessment by June, and none of them give a flip about my curriculum. Okay? So I can appreciate your theoretical stuff. But show me something practical. And you know what he said? He looked at me and says, listen, if you do what I tell you to do, you're going to get what you want. If you build relationships with these kids, they'll want to learn from you. If you do what I say, it will produce the results that you need. And God is so smart. He says, when you put me first, when you love me first... All the other things in your life, all the relationships in your life are going to come into order. All of the, the affairs of your life are going to come into order. Look at the lilies of the field. Come on. God says, my way works. Choose one master, not two. So, in closing, how do I know if I'm serving two masters? Well, Maybe something in your life has an unhealthy amount of attention. Maybe it draws you away from worship and relationship with God. Maybe it takes up an unhealthy amount of your time, your affection. Maybe you find yourself uh, indifferent or adverse to spiritual things. I just, I, I'm not feeling it, you know. Eh, I don't know what they're all excited about. You know, that lady up there who's excited, you know, she's kind of annoying if you ask me. Well, can I tell you something? When you're in love with God, those things don't annoy you as much. Because you know they love God. And people that love somebody, well, they're not so worried about you as much, are they? Because they love him. Amen? This is a hard scripture. I probably shouldn't have closed with it. Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Matthew 10, 34. This is Jesus talking. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. 
He who does not, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will find it. Lisa and I were talking about this. I believe this is written to someone in the age of accountability. This is not written to children. Because it contradicts some other things Jesus said. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Are you with me? He's talking to people that are in the age of accountability. He was also talking to people that were potentially living in multi-generational residences. Um, kids did not normally, at the age of 18, go to college, get an apartment, see ya. Uh, they, were, they were around more. Are you with me? They, they were working the land, you might say. Uh, communities were closer. However, I, I think it could still describe someone who has reached the age of accountability living in a home uh, as we know today. Furthermore, Jesus is not condoning violence. He's not saying that we should be cutting people up that don't agree with us. Finally, Jesus is not talking about um, anger as it would be conversed with peace. I believe what Jesus is describing here is a division and an animosity in families when Jesus is the master for some, but he's not the master for others. And that can create a tension in the lives of the people that we are close with. Because our lives, you see, remember, let's go back to building on the rock. For those of us that are found in him, that have found our life in him, are building our very lives upon him by listening and obeying his words and his teachings. It's not just a Sunday thing, amen? People who don't, don't understand that. And that creates tension in our lives. And that is in the context uh, of this chapter of persecution. It's not easy. There's a suffering there. But I still believe, and I believe God showed me this in worship, that the world is waiting. People are waiting for us to say, yes, he is my Lord. Yes, he has my heart. Yes, I serve him. Yes, I serve the Lord with gladness. Yes, he's the savior of my soul. He's the Lord of my life. I'm proud to call him Lord. He loves me. And I believe that's going to draw people. Father, we thank you. For the solid ground of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're calling us to set aside the other masters, the idols in our lives, the things that are jockeying for our attention, and to put you in first place, Lord, to trust you, to make you Lord, and keep you Lord. And for me, and, I, and maybe this might help you, I felt like God wanted to bring an adjustment. And maybe God wants to bring an adjustment and say, listen, I'm feeling like I'm moving to the back of the pack. I want you to bring me back up front. I want you to repent for serving those other things. And I want you to renew me as Lord of your life. 
And can I tell you, there's a peace that comes when you do that. I felt such peace. I just went, just, just right here. Oh God, in your presence is fullness of joy. Oh Lord, I know that with you in first place, with you as Lord, that everything in my life is okay. That everything is going to work out in my life. Praise you, Father. No man can serve two masters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.